Okay, well, good evening, everyone. It is wonderful to see your smiling faces in front of me. Um, it is good and sweet to be together, and I, I hope you know, I pray that you experience in some measure on these nights the reality that as, as disconnected as we can feel right now, that because we have peace with God, we have peace with one another, and that uh, He loves us and He's joining us together, and that uh, our voices come to Him as one even on these nights when we, we don't uh, experience that because we're in our room. So I, I really am grateful. Like Courtney said, I know you do have a lot going on with midterms and um, just the general craziness of, of life. And so it is good and sweet to get to be together. We are continuing our series in James, and we've been talking in James about what true faith looks like during times of trials and testing. Uh, and this has certainly been a year of trials and testing in so many ways. And, and this week, we're looking at James talking about uh, the theme of wisdom. And, and if, there's, if there's one thing that you kind of get from tonight, I hope it's this, is that God longs to give you and to fill you with wisdom so that you might live a life that leads towards righteousness and peace. He actually cares about you. He wants that for you. So with that in mind, let's turn our attention to God's word. We're in James 3, 13 to 18 tonight. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And by a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who seek peace. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to you and to me because he loves us. Let's pray and then we'll get started. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need you tonight. We need you this week. We need you every moment. So we thank you that you invite us to come as we are. And I pray that you would help us to believe what we've sung, that we are who you say we are. Uh, and Lord, as we come to your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in it right now so we might know you and love you more and love one another. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've, you've probably heard of a TV show called Pawn Stars. It's about this, this family that runs a pawn shop in Las Vegas. Uh, I came across a clip from Pawn Stars. I've actually never seen it in an episode, but I came across a clip of Pawn Stars. I'm not judging it. I just haven't seen it. It is who I am. Um, where this woman brings in a guitar, which has got the signatures of all four members of the Beatles on it. And she wants to sell it for $100,000. And so she brings this guitar to somebody, and he starts to look at it. And uh, he's not sure if it's legit or not, so he calls some other people over. This woman, this is sort of her prized possession. The most special, most valuable thing she probably owns and has ever seen in her life. And, and so this one expert comes over, and he starts to look at the signatures. And he notices that the signatures are signed in Sharpie. And he says, you know, in, in 1964, when you're saying this was signed, they probably would have used ballpoint pens and, and not Sharpies. That's a little weird. And then this other guy comes over, and he says, yeah, you see the E in John Lennon here? And you see the little star underneath Ringo Starr's signature? That's, that's not, you know, when you look at the other places where they've signed things, that's, that's not exactly what it looks like. And then another guy comes over, and he sees the message. It says, uh, from, from the Beatles with love. And he says, um, this isn't real. This is, a, this is a forgery. Actually, I actually know who did this. This is a guy who, 
who has made, made a living forging these signatures of the Beatles on album covers and other memorabilia. This is, this is not real. This thing that she thought she had, it turns out she didn't, she didn't really have it. She didn't have what she thought that she had. It wasn't real. And, and when we come to this passage, I think that James is sort of giving us that same kind of challenge when it comes to this idea of wisdom. Wisdom. And, and when, you, when you think wisdom, you, you can think of eyes to see the world how it really is, and understanding to know what is the best thing to do, and then strength of conviction to follow through. That's, that's what wisdom is. And, and wisdom is a thing that Christians talk about all the time to mean kind of a broad spectrum of sort of knowing and doing the right stuff. And James is saying, be careful, because that thing that you think you have as wisdom in your heart and in your life and in your mind, it, it isn't always what you think it is. It isn't always the real thing. It might be an imitation. And so what James is going to do in this passage for us tonight is he makes a distinction between true wisdom and imitation wisdom, just like he's made a distinction already between true living faith and faith that is dead, or true religion and religion that is all talk. And here's why this matters. Here's why it matters for you and for me tonight. The world that you and I are living in right now is incredibly confusing and incredibly hard to navigate. We're surrounded by, by people and by institutions and organizations and voices that are telling us their version of wisdom, their version of knowing and doing the right stuff. This is what's happening in our country right now during an election season. You've got two sides, and you've got someone on each side who's saying, listen to me, I know what's best. I know what's true. Follow me. And they're both saying that, and they're saying different stuff. Who do I follow? What do I know how to do? This is the, this is the thing that we're hungry for when it comes to navigating the, the conflict and the confusion and the tension in our relationships with our friends and our families and our boyfriends and girlfriends. This is the thing we need to navigate Everything with COVID and all the restrictions and the unknown of what is okay and what's not okay. This is the thing we need to know what we're going to do after college. Wisdom is actually something that we're hungry for. It's something that we value. We want to actually know the right things. We actually want to do the right things. We want this life of wisdom. And tonight we're going to see how James differentiates between true wisdom and this false wisdom. So here's, here's what we're going to look at from, from James 3. We're going to look at the source of wisdom the center of wisdom and the result of wisdom, okay? Three, three aspects, the source, the center, and the result. So first, the, the source of wisdom. Here's what James says in verse 15. He basically says there's two forms of wisdom. One comes from above. And one is, he says, it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic, he even says. It, it harkens back to what we read last week in the beginning of James 3, that the tongue it can, can catch on fire like from the pit of hell itself. He's not afraid to use this intense language. We've got wisdom that's from above and wisdom that's earthly and unspiritual. True wisdom comes from above. That means its source is God. It's really important because it means that wisdom is not something that you can try harder to have more of. It's actually something that God wants to give you as a free gift of his grace, which we receive so when it comes to knowing how to handle your schoolwork and how to handle the, the incredibly difficult and challenging spaces of racism and justice and history and oppression, when it comes to your future, when it comes to your relationships, the thing that you need is not something you can make yourself. It is something that comes from above, something that comes from God, something that, in fact, he wants to give you. And James already said it earlier, this is the very first week, or maybe the second week of the semester, James says in chapter 1, verse 5, that if you ask for wisdom, God will give it to you. It's actually a promise. It's actually a guarantee. 
But you have to look up to the source, to the person from whom all wisdom comes, from the, to, to the person who is the embodiment of perfect wisdom. And James contrasts this with, with worldly wisdom. Uh, and this can, be, this can be really difficult to receive because we all accept as true wisdom things that are not from God. I do it and you do it all the time. We do this when we are more allegiant to a political party than we are to God's word or to his kingdom. We do this when we receive as truth some cultural messaging that affirms our temptations when it comes to money or sexuality or power or possessions. We do this when we buy into the inherent value of a culture that says the best thing is to accumulate and acquire more and more of whatever it is that you want instead of looking to the one who actually gave his life away so the others, you and me, might have life. And I think that the good news for us tonight, part of the good news for us tonight, is that this thing that we desperately need is coming from above. It is actually coming to us. And that when you look to the source, when you look to God, when you set your eyes on Jesus, you will grow in wisdom. It is one of those things that will happen. It's like the fruits of the Spirit in your life. They're not a thing you have to Hope will come one day. They are growing in you. They are coming to bear fruit. And, and I hope you know that there's no secret sauce to this looking to the source. This is the basic stuff of trying to know God more by, uh, by worshiping, by reading our Bible, by praying. One of the things is, if you've got something in your life that's stressing you out right now, one of the things you need to be praying is that God would give you wisdom because he says he'll give it to you when you ask. That's the source of wisdom. The second thing tonight is the center of wisdom. Uh, what's, at, what's at the center? What's at the heart? What's at the core of what wisdom, of what wisdom is? Um, James says, he starts this section in verse 13, saying that wisdom is shown by, by our good conduct, which is a word that kind of means like our lifestyle, what we're all about. And he describes that at the center of that is, of true wisdom is meekness. Meekness. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Does that, does that word sound familiar? You, you, if you're not a Christian, you may not be familiar with that word meekness. Uh, but if you are and you're familiar with the Bible, you probably are thinking of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount who said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. When, when you hear that word meekness, you, you should think of the, the coming together of strength and gentleness under submission to and trust in God. The coming together of strength and gentleness in submission to and trust in God. And James says that's at the core of wisdom. If you want to be able to see the world how it is, you want to know the thing to do, you want to have the strength to do it, you actually have to cultivate this meekness, this gentleness. And he goes on, he kind of expands on this in verse 17 when he says that the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable. Here's this word again, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. A person who is meek knows who they are with confidence because they trust in what God says they are. And a person who is meek sees the world as it really is with confidence because they trust that the world is what God really says it is. So they know that they are a beloved child of God who is a sinner but who is saved by grace in Christ. And they know that the world is a place that is good and beautiful but marred by sin, but Jesus is redeeming it in every way. They, they know these things with confidence. So a meek person doesn't always have to be aggressive. They don't always have to be defensive. They can be gentle. 
They can listen. They can show mercy. They can give ground. Strength and gentleness coming together in submission to and trust in God. And the center of worldly wisdom or false wisdom is described in verse 16 as jealousy and selfish ambition. Jealousy and selfish ambition, which would be the opposite of this meekness. And this is really, I don't know about you, this is really hard for me to read. Because as I, as I think about my own life and my own heart, even today, I, I see jealousy and selfishness everywhere. I see it in my heart when I get on Instagram and I start comparing my life to the, to the images of life I see in other people. I feel it when I start to daydream about the, the bigger or more important or greater life that I can imagine, different from the one I, I really live. I feel it when I'm talking to a friend and I, I find myself trying to figure out where in the conversation I can insert that humble brag that draws some attention to some accomplishment or achievement or adventure that I've been on. And, and I feel this when I encounter someone who I disagree with and I find that instead of listening to them, I just want to win. I see this stuff in my heart all the time. But the center of truism, according to James, is actually meekness. It's gentle strength. People who know who they are and know what the world is like because they trust God, and so they can navigate with confidence that's based in him and not themselves. It's the source of wisdom and the center of wisdom. Lastly tonight, the, the result of wisdom. What, what happens? What is produced? What is the consequence of a life of wisdom? And James, actually, first he says what happens as a result of, of worldly wisdom that's, that's centered in jealousy and selfishness, and its source is the world and ourselves and not God. There, there's, a, there's an Office episode. It's the first episode of season six. And in this episode, Michael finds out that there's this rumor about some of the summer interns. And everyone knew about it before he did. And he's filled with jealousy because he wasn't in on the scoop. And so he decides that he wants to, to start something to make himself feel better. So he, he hears something that no one else has heard yet. And it turns out it's this like, pretty intense, terrible thing that Stanley is actually cheating on his wife. And Michael tells everybody in the office. And he says that he is thrilled. He's having such a great day because he's at the center of the conversation. And finally, Jim comes up to him and tells him, like, hey, you might be ruining his life. Do you even know if this is true? He goes and talks to Stanley. Turns out it is true. Stanley says, please don't tell anyone. But Michael has already told everybody. And so in order to get himself out of the situation he's in, he decides that he's going to make up false rumors about everybody else in the office. So he makes up a, a rumor about someone being pregnant, a rumor about someone's sexuality, a rumor about someone dating an 81-year-old billionaire, a rumor about someone being the voice of the Taco Bell dog, a rumor that Creed actually has asthma, which means he wouldn't be able to scuba, which is what apparently everything is about for him in, in the office. And, and these, uh, these lies and these mistruths, they kind of snowball to a point where there's total chaos. Everyone is defensive and insecure and stressed and angry, all because somebody was acting out of jealousy. James says that wherever jealousy and selfish ambition exist, this is what it says in verse 16, there will be disorder and every vile practice. That when you act out of self-interest, it actually creates disorder in your heart and in your life. And it will even lead to vile practices. It means you'll be willing to do just about anything to either maintain the illusion of your control or you'll be willing to do just about anything to get it back, to fix it when you mess it up. That's the consequence of this worldly self. It, it leads to disorder and chaos. But on the other hand, true wisdom, wisdom that has its source in God and is centered in this gentle strength, this meekness, here's what it, here's what it, here's what it results in. This is verse 18. This is beautiful. 
a harvest of righteousness sown in peace. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Doesn't that sound good? A harvest of righteousness sown in peace. Righteousness is the, is the truth and goodness and mercy of God becoming manifest in and through and around us. That's righteousness. And peace. Things start to make sense. Anxieties go away. There's honesty and love and kindness in community. There's forgiveness and mercy. There's fruitfulness. There's a harvest of righteousness leading to peace. I think that's what we want. I think that's what we want for our lives. I think it's what we want for our campus. I think it's what we want for our nation. I think it's what we want for our world. I think that's what we want. And I I pray more and more that we would have the eyes to to look to the source and to embrace a, a meek, gentle, lowly heart like the heart of Christ who became lowly for you and for me so that we might experience more and more of this harvest of righteousness that leads to peace. There's a story in Matthew 9 about a woman who's been sick for years and years and years. And the text says that she spent all she had on doctors. It's as if she was looking to the wisdom of the world for healing and nothing happened. She only grew worse and she ran out of money. And in desperation, she reaches out for the source. She comes up behind Jesus in a crowd and touches his cloak. And the moment she touches the hem of his garment, she's healed. It's a woman who has actually found true wisdom because she has learned where to look, where to point, where to reach for. It's Christ. I think the challenge for us this week is, is to try to pay attention to where we are looking for answers to the things that we need wisdom for. Where are we looking? Are we looking to our politics? Are we looking to our appearance? Are we looking to school? Are we looking to future jobs? Are we looking to the approval of others? Where are we looking for wisdom? Are we looking to the things that are on earth? Or will we heed the invitation from Jesus who says, come to me, look to me? Because he longs to give us eyes to see. He longs to show us and share with us his heart of meekness so that we might become more and more agents of his gentle strength and love in the world. It's the love that he used to save you and me from sin and death unto life. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, uh, I do praise you as the one who perfectly embodies wisdom, and I ask that you would give us grace and mercy to look to you. Lord, give us grace and mercy to turn away from the places where we are insisting on finding answers, finding wisdom in places that will only lead to chaos and disorder. Thank you that you say it comes from above. It doesn't depend on us. It is coming. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us a heart of meekness in you to follow and to receive your love as the lamb who was slain. And Lord, we know that this harvest of righteousness and peace is coming, that your kingdom is coming. Lord, please give us the wisdom to see that more and more in our own lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.